This is the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. We exist to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Wow, look at you guys. You look so good. And it's so good to see you again. And I I really, I wanted just a little bit of selfishness right out of the gate. How many of you are here in a regular part of Lost Mountain and have no clue who I am right now? Raise your hands. That is so great. That just made my day. Um, I had the privilege of getting to help transition from where things were to where they are. The first Sunday I walked in through those doors, I thought there was a funeral and they had forgotten to tell me about it. And to see it transition to where it is now is incredible. I got to serve in that capacity for a while. And um, I'm so thankful that, that Matt had called. He said, hey, I got this pastor's conference. So if you are a regular here and you're thinking, why isn't Matt here? He will be back. Okay, so uh, you can endure today. But what a joy and a privilege to be here. And I was praying, okay, Lord, what do I share? Um, I mean, there's this history and there's this this future and, and I'm just excited. But what do I share? And then God, made it incredibly clear what to share. And if you have a Bible and want to follow along, we're going to go back to one of the the core verses in all the Bible. And if you're watching online or you're new here or you're kind of just checking it out, this may be one of the most pivotal core verses in all of Scripture. And it's the book of Proverbs. And it's in chapter 3. And it's actually two verses. But the way God made it obvious to me was, as I was praying through, okay, what do I share? And I looked at kind of the the series that were going on, and then bang. I got hit with one of the worst viruses I've ever experienced in my life. Now, I don't know if you've been sick in the last couple years, but immediately people will go, it's COVID. It's, oh, it's COVID. You got to get a COVID test, get a COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. And I've got a really good friend who's a doctor, and he said, man, everything you tell me, I bet it's COVID. And he said, I'm going to bring some, I just got a bunch, a whole case of new tests in. I'm going to drop a couple off on your porch. Won't you take it? And, and at that point, I had been, I'd had a fever for like four days, five days. And I don't know the last time you had a fever that was extended, that, that medicine just wouldn't touch it. It is miserable. Now, let me just bring back some memories in case you're thinking, I don't really remember one. You have chills and shakes like you're about to freeze to death. And then you go into the opposite end of that where you go into some version of sleep and you wake up and you've sweat through everything. And then that just keeps going and going and going. You get to enjoy that ride for a while. And I was going through that, so I'm like, I will do whatever it takes. So he gives me this test. He said, well, there's actually two in there. And I open it and I shake them out of the box. And it all comes out with the little instructions. And it seemed like one piece was missing, but I looked at the instructions and I thought, well, the reason you got a whole case of them is it's in Spanish. And, but I'm good at reading pictures because I was dyslexic growing up and I got to figure that out. So I started going through it. And uh, then I thought a piece was missing. I'll show you the box. So there was some English instructions in there. But I took the first test and, and I did exactly what they said. You know, you stick it up in your nose until you feel your eyeballs about to pop out. And you swirl it, and then you change it. And I did it, and it, it was negative. And so I did the second one. I did the second one in Spanish, but it was negative. And 
So I, he calls and he's like, hey, how'd it go? And I'm like, it, they're negative. And he's like, no way. He says, you sound horrible. And I'm like, I feel worse than I sound. And he's like, well, it's the holiday weekend and, and we're offices even open for two days. So do this. So I took this regimen of flu meds and, and Tylenol and ibuprofen. And I did the cycle and it had to have a window of about four minutes every hour where I felt like I did not want to die. And I had no appetite. I'm telling you, if you want to lose 10 pounds, I'll, I've, I've got a vial of the virus. I'll give it to you. You can just have it. But it was just this misery. And then I ended up going in and they did the, the real test where they go in and they try to poke out both your eyes from the inside. And that came back negative. They said, well, we got one more test we can do. And this sweet lady comes in. She goes, I'm afraid I have to go further. And I'm like, there is no further. I mean, you're going past my brain. It's going to come out and look like antennas. I mean, there's nothing else. You, but they did it and they came back and they're like, it's negative. You don't have COVID. And almost disappointed. I'm like, you know, at this point, I want something just to be able to get over it. But in that process, in that process, God whispered in my mind, and I'm, I'm going through different verses. I'm like, Lord, help. Just show me something. Show me something that can help. And he brought me back to this verse that I have memorized years ago and I love. But he showed me at a whole different level where he is. And in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and if you're a believer, you've probably heard this, but I'm going to share with you this morning, there's a different level. I want us to catch today after my experience these last couple weeks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on what you understand. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, can I tell you, I believe that verse. And God has shown me over the years kind of the, the evidence of that. One of my favorite, and I shared it student camps all the time as I was flying. I fly all the time, but I'd never flown to San Francisco. And I get on the plane and that's a long flight. So I'm sitting in my seat. I got the window seat. I love the window seat because I just love, I'm a kid in the window seat and I love to see the, the, the terrain. And I'm sitting there and it's me in an empty seat and this other gentleman. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, you know what? I got a lot of work to do. So if we can leave this empty seat in the middle, let me stretch out a little bit. I no more had that thought than they came on the last week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a full flight. Make sure you're in the right position. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, if you can just let a little girl, like the, a small little one sit there, that'd be great. Now I know God's got a sense of humor because this plane was a full flight and the last person through the door was a door. This dude was minimum 6'3", six, 6'4", six, minimum 290, maybe 300 pounds. And he was the last one on the flight. And he walks up and he looks and he just goes, oh. And he's shaking his head and we're shaking our heads going, huh? And he's like, I, I, I got the middle. And I'm not exaggerating. He sat down and then just went, oh. And the metal armrest bent out. And I just kind of went against the side of the plane and I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. And, and it's such a nice guy. After we take off, he's like, hey man, I'm really sorry. I'm like, you're big. What are you going to do? And, and, and turns out he was flying to San Francisco for a tryout for the 49ers. He was an offensive lineman 
Now, if you don't know football, that's the big guys up front. And he said, I've, I've got an idea. And I'm like, sure, man, whatever. And he's like, I'll lean up and you can lean back. And then about every 10 minutes, we'll just switch. So we, we did that for like two and a half hours. And then the reason why I love the window seat happens. Yeah, come on, ladies and gentlemen, we're on our final approach. Tray table, seat back, full upright position, so I'm squished, and we're just doing what you do. And I look out, though, and it is beautiful. The sun's starting to set, but it is gorgeous. And I, we're coming down into the, the Bay Area, and they call it the Bay Area because there's a bay. And we're coming in over the water, and there's these beautiful mountains and the bay. And we're going down... And I'm looking at the land and the, the landscape and the boy. And we get to like 400 feet and I'm, it's water. And there's mountains and land and everything in my body wanted to ring the flight attendant and just go, hey, if you don't mind, scurry up. And uh, just, I, I was noticing out my window here, the beautiful landscape and the bay. And I was just thinking one of the more, most important parts of the word landing is land. And um, it's over there. So if you'd run up and tell the pilots, turn, that would be great. I did not do it, but we keep going down. And the little specks that were sailboats, I'm now seeing people on sailboats waving to us as we're going down. We're under 200 feet, under 150 feet. I'm like, we are dead. We're dead. What are these idiots thinking? Everything in my body wanted to just unbuckle, run up front, beat on the door and go, pull up and turn. They did not. I did not. And I'm sitting there. Now, I've flown so many times, I can't count, thousands of times. And I'm white knuckled on the skull. We're dead. We're dead. The only thought going through my mind is your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device. And I'm, I'm eyeballing the exits. And we're under 100 feet. I'm like, dead. 70, 60. I'm like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a runway appeared. And within seconds, we were on the ground. And I remember praying in my mind, Lord, I hope you enjoyed that because I got to change my pants now. And what in the world is going on? And God was whispering in my heart in that moment, Ken, why didn't you run up? Why didn't you beat on the door? Because I trusted I trusted the pilots know what they're doing. I trusted they're in control. I am not. Most of all, though, I trusted their, their ability, their training, and they have the front window. They know where we're going. Because in San Francisco, they ran out of room, so they built a mile into the bay, a runway. And you don't see anything but water until you are on that runway. And it's like, wow. And that's what trust is about. Now, most of us who trust God, know God, go, you know what? I believe that. I get it. God has the front window. I get it. But let me just tell you the part I want us to really look at in that verse today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here it is. Don't lean on what you understand. Because here's, here's our reality. Life is full of what we don't understand. But I'm going to tell you, we have a response. A natural response to I don't understand is to endure it and get it over as soon as possible. Are you with me? I just want it over. 
this past week with a fever that went up and down and spiked at one point and to the point now this is how bad it got I got all the ice out of both freezers in our house put them in the bathtub turned on the cold water and sat in an ice bath voluntarily just because I'm like, it's 102, I, 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 I don't want to get worse. And I sat in there just shaking, and it was able to come down. But we just want to get it over with. And that's natural. But what God is calling us to in this verse is, hey, trust in me with all your heart. And when you find yourself in the I don't understand, that's when trust is built. That is when we hear God's Spirit in us more clearly than in any other time in life. Instead of endure, what God is calling us to is to engage Him in the areas of life we do not understand. Our choice, endure or engage. I can tell you I cried out a few times. It didn't make it all instantly better. But my trust just went deeper and deeper physically, going, Lord, I, I seriously, they have no clue. Doctors don't know what this is. And it's getting worse. And Lord, is this it? And I, I got to that point where I'm like, Lord, I, I obviously want to feel better, but Lord, I trust you in the midst of this. And if there's something you want me to learn, if there's something that I need to learn, if there's something I just need to experience, I trust you in the I don't understand. And when we get to that point where we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to engage you. Because there's, I guarantee you, every one of us, if you're not going through it at this moment in some area, you will. It's not all bad. It's just those times where you're like, I, I don't understand. Don't endure it. Don't get it over with. Start engaging, going, God, what do you want me to learn here? I'll give you a perfect example of a positive. My wife and I, Heather, my adorable wife of 27 years in August, is, is, we're driving to breakfast the other day, and I want to get better as a husband. So I want to communicate and connect. And so we're spending quality time. That's her love language. And, and we're driving, and I thought, you know what? I need to verbalize this. And I look over, and I said, hey, I love you. And she just went, oh, that's so sweet. Then she said, what made you think of that? <laughs> um, well, I was driving and I saw you. And I thought, I love her. So I said it. I didn't realize there was going to be a test. I, I don't understand. But can I tell you, I look back on my life at the greatest moments where I look back and I clearly heard God's voice in my heart. And the evidence of what happened during those I don't understand times has led me to a wisdom and a life of fulfillment and abundance beyond what I could ask or imagine. But it's in the I don't understand times where God makes himself most real. We experience him more clearly. Maybe it's financial for us. It was years ago going, Lord, what do you want us to do? We don't understand. We think we're doing everything right, but what do we need to do? And through a process, led us 
to a place of peace and fulfillment. Where during COVID, I had no work for 14 months and we never touched our emergency fund. I'm like, Lord, you're amazing. God wants us to experience him. I remember and I look back, our daughter Kennedy, she's down at Word of Life uh, Bible Institute helping with some camps and she's this just goofball, beautiful ray of sunshine. If you're around Kennedy, you know that. But 14 years ago, <coughs> excuse me, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I can tell you that that was one of the greatest I don't understand moments of our lives. I remember sitting across from the doctor, sitting in a chair day two or three where they're explaining it. And he said, hey, just want to let you know, if you got to have cancer, this is the kind you want. And Heather and I both looked at each other and said, yeah, we don't want it. You can have it back. And he explained it to us. And I'm telling you, the roller coaster of that time was brutal. Brutal. I remember during her intensive 10 months, they told us, you know what, she's, if she, she makes it through 10 months, there's a really good sign. We average being in the emergency room three times a week, usually in the middle of the night. I'll never forget this one period of time. In 10 days, I was in the ER eight times. In the middle of the night, it was the last time of the eight. I'm driving to the hospital. And there's this precious little four-year-old in the back seat. And, she's, and, and I, I got to tell you, I'm praying, but it is not flowery. And it is not Sunday school. And it is not repeatable in church. I was just like, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? You want to hear me say again that I want you to heal her? What do you want? Why don't you just give us a break? Now imagine going to the ER eight times in 10 days in the middle of the night I was physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually spent. And I hear my daughter start crying in the back. And I remember reaching back thinking she's about to get sick. I said, baby, are you okay? And in her little four-year-old quivering voice, she said, daddy, I want to go home. I said, I know, baby. I know. The one person she trusts is taking her to the one place she does not want to go. How do you explain to a four-year-old, we have to do this? Wisdom tells me we have to. Because if we don't do this, you have about a 15 to 18% chance of survival. If we do this, you have an 83 to 85% chance of survival. Explain that to a four-year-old. You think you can? You cannot. But I remember sitting there with her in my lap in the ER waiting to go into triage. And she just put her head in my chest and tried to rest, but she was about as tight as she could get to me. And God whispered in my heart in that moment where I'm like, God, help. Did I want it to just be over? Absolutely. But I got to a point of desperation to engage, and I said, God, help. And God began to whisper in my heart, Ken, stop trying to understand. You can't explain this to her. I can't explain this to you. But will you trust me the way she trusts you? And I remember just breaking. At that moment, I remember being so honest with God, going, God, I, I'm not going to pretend. 
I'm not going to pretend if she doesn't make it. I'm okay with that. I'm not. But as best as I can trust you, I do. Can I tell you, God's desire is not that we have all the answers, but that we realize he is the answer. And that he just wants us to engage him. And when we engage him, then we start to experience his presence and his wisdom and his peace and his power. But it's our choice to engage in the I don't understand. In the I don't understand, he gives us another step. But he gives us this beautiful part in Psalm. I read it while I was in the hospital with my daughter. He says, you hem me in behind and before and you have laid your hand upon me. Now, I struggle with that. I'm like, Lord, if you've done that, then why did you allow this in? And to this day, I don't have the answers. But I know it's true. He surrounds us with himself. And, and there's nothing that gets to us that doesn't go through his filter. I, I learned some verses during that time. And then another situation five years ago, one of my favorites is in Isaiah 41.10. It's not going to be on the screen, but I would encourage you to look it up. Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Engage that. That's what God longs for us to do. And then he goes on in a couple chapters before that where he says, those who engage me will renew their strength. And I'm just like, well, he says, they will run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They will mount up with wings like eagles and their strength will be renewed. When we engage him, that's the point. It's not to endure it, to get through it. It's to experience God in it. And I'm telling you, in the I don't understand, that's where God says, I reveal myself most clearly. Not because he changes, but because we do. And then he gives us a second step there, not only to trust him and engage him in that way, but acknowledge him, acknowledge him in all our ways. Now, there's some standard ways to do that. We're going to do one of them right now. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you some ways to engage me. One is in giving. And if you come to, on a regular basis or you watch, there's this time where we say, you know what? We're going to give to God. It's not because he's broke. It's to acknowledge that he owns all of it. And if, if you're one of those, then you feel free to come down now and we're not going to stop. But one of the greatest acts of worship is to say, Lord, we're, we're, we're in debt to you. Not only eternally, but Lord, you've given us the ability to work. You've given us the opportunity to work. We acknowledge you. And he says, give, give cheerfully. And we give. And, and I, just, I just thank God for that that opportunity. Do what it lays on your heart. So I'm going to pray, and then during the next few minutes, they're going to come and, and pass buckets or whatever we have here now, buckets or plates or socks or I don't know what we have, but we're going to pass those. But it's a way to engage God, saying, God, I acknowledge you own it all. So let me pray for that. Father, thank you for that, that ability that we can acknowledge you. And Lord, I pray we would take advantage of that regularly so that we can experience you in our finances. And it's not, a, it's not a vending machine. It's just saying, Lord, we acknowledge you on it all and we trust you. In Christ's name, amen. And they're going to pass those on. There's another one, and this is probably going to be one I hope you really grasp. 
God orchestrated this, and we celebrated on Sunday the idea of rest. Rest. Now, if you're not sure the background of this, it came out of Egypt when they were slaves and forced to work seven days a week. And when God delivered them, do you remember Moses and the stick and the Red Sea, and they all walked through and they escaped? He goes, I'm going to establish a new way to do this. You work six days, then rest. It's called the Sabbath, or in the Hebrew, it's Sabbat, or Shabbat. And you hear this term at funerals of rest in peace, but that's not what it was meant for. Shabbat Shalom, rest in peace. In other words, hey, work hard six days, then rest. You know, one of the most godly forms of worship is to take a nap. Next time you're in church and you fall asleep, says, hey, Matt says, hey, I saw you fall asleep. Pastor, I was worshiping. I was, I was being obedient and acknowledging God. That's what I was doing. Because it is. He says, hey, give and rest. But then he also, most of all, he's like, I want you to engage. Invite me into the I don't understand. Start experiencing who God is. He's not up there or out there. He's right here. He says, I'm going to send my counselor to live in you. Several months ago, I was in Cincinnati at a men's event. Really excited to meet the guys. And one of these gentlemen came up. He was in Navy khakis. And I just went and engaged him. I said, hey, thank you so much for serving. And he goes, man, it's so good to be back. He says, I got stuck on a deployment over COVID. And he says, this is my first Sunday back. I'm like, yeah, I thought I recognized your face. And he goes, yeah. He said, just got done with training and I'm back here now. And I said, well, how long was your deployment? And he said, 18 months. I'm like, what? I said, what do you do? And he started to explain. I said, where did you go? And he says, I was on three continents, 27 countries. What? So what do you do in the Navy? And he says, well, I'm the lead tech specialist for, and then he had this long acronym and words, and he could tell I didn't get it. And then he said, but you would know it as SEAL Team 6. Now, I heard some guys doing exactly what I did. I was like, oh. The guy standing next to us was stirring his coffee and just stopped and went, oh, audibly. And we both looked at him, he said, and he looked at my new friend, and he said, so um, you could kill everybody here with this plastic spoon. And my new friend looked, he goes, oh, oh, I, I wouldn't need a spoon. <laughs> my whole respect changed in that moment. Now let me ask you a question. If we were in a crisis, and somebody said, you get a choice, I've got a manual written by the greatest men in special forces ever, and here it is. Or you can have a Navy SEAL who's been tested in battle over decades. You can have the manual or the SEAL. Which one are you taking? Oh, I'm going with the SEAL. That's where I'm going. See, what if we had the part of him going, you know what? You can have the SEAL, but we're going to give you the manual. I'm going to just give you some things to read as you're going. I think I'd read them but I want to be with him. And this life, God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you my word and it is living and active and I'm going to teach you through it. But my desire is that you know me in the middle of what you're going through. 
I want to just kind of wrap up with an update and a, and a reality of our year of I don't understand. From May to May, we had one of those experiences that no parent would ever want to go through. And I'm going to abbreviate it, and I'd be glad to share more details later. But pray for our youngest. He's, he's actually, we adopted him about six and a half, seven years ago. But it kind of came to a head a year uh, May ago where he decided, and, and this, was the, this was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was also the uh, latch that opened Pandora's box. He decided he was going to do drugs at school, in class, and videotape it, and put it on the internet. Yay! So we had to deal with that. Then he got suspended, and we had some heart-to-heart talks, and then we discovered, we're like, you know what, there's only a couple weeks left in school. Let us let him finish his freshman year, and he goes back and immediately does the same thing. And now we're praying, and I'm in that God I don't understand. We thought we'd just give this kid a stable environment and a loving family and it would just change him. And it did in some ways, but we're humans and we have a a free will. And we saw that spiral. And so we had to pray and God miraculously provided a place for rehab so that he could go and get the help he needed because his entire biological family, I mean, every aunt, uncle, cousin, mom, grandmother has severe addiction. And he's at this, this rehab place. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but I mean, you can imagine the, the mindset of being somewhere where you don't want to be when you don't think you need to be there. And I remember our first visit and it went something like him telling us, well, you're going to check me out because I'm done here. Oh, are we? Yes. And I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to go back to my friends and I'm going to get there. And we're like, oh, okay, well, let's see how that works out. And then more visits and then a counselor and he had kind of come down a little bit. And the counseling session, my favorite one, was where he told us he was willing to come home under certain rules that he had decided that we needed to live by. One was that we never look in his room again and he has total freedom to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. And it's like, oh, is that right? Okay. And... In the midst of that, over this year, we had more and more friends come up and reveal things that had happened and the cheating and the lying and the stealing. And it, it, it was a year of, I don't understand. Even to the point where when things start going well and we were, we're almost ready to graduate and we, he and Heather and I all got together, we found God provided an, un, I don't know if you experienced that world or not, but there's facilities that help them and they're, they're usually between forty dollars to $80,000 a year. And these were provided, God opened door, there's a school for kids who are in foster with abusive and and addictive backgrounds. And it's in Oklahoma. And we went and visited and we were blown away. And we're like, this is it. And we're like, okay, hit us. How much? And they're like, oh, we're, we're funded by foundations. It's no cost to you. What? And he wanted to go, and Heather and I, we, it was great. I went to pick him up after he graduated to take him to this place, and he informed us, I'm not going. But you said you wanted to, and this is the chance to prove and get back. And he's like, yep, I'm not going. I talked to some people here, and they think that you guys are abusive and racist and, and blah, blah, blah. 
And during this time, as I went to pick him up, this is one of the verses that was in my quiet time. And I saw God's sovereign hand hit me with this as it went. It says, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. And when we are slandered, we answer in kindness. I thought, Lord, that's a neat verse. Paul had a rough time. Bless him. I go to pick him up and I have four or five people surround me and begin to just barrage me and slander and abuse and that. And in that moment, it was almost like the matrix. I could just take, it was slow motion. And I'm like, Lord, wow. When cursed, bless. When persecuted, endure. When slandered, speak kindly. Lord, I, I get it. And I wish I could tell you this is all resolved. There has been some resolution moving forward, but we've lived in, I don't understand, for over a year. And he has graduated from one, and God raised up a miraculous situation that we could not have designed. It met all the checklist away from temptation, away from struggle and old friends. Get his education, being a godly surrounding. And it's still moving forward. It's still unresolved. But I can tell you this, I know when we engage God, he provides what we don't even see possible. And he changes us in ways that are miraculous. And I've said several times, Lord, I just want to get, I just want to be done. Will you just take this away? And here's the verse he's given me over and over. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. When we engage him in the I don't understand, what we do is we now release the power of God, which raised Christ from the dead, in us in that area. And he begins to work. I've seen it happen over and over and my response becomes Paul's. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I don't know if you've read that verse before, but I love the last part. The result of us trusting in the I don't understand and us acknowledging him, he says, he will make your path straight. Not instantly but emphatically and definitely. So I don't know where your I don't understand is today, but I'm telling you that God wants us to not just endure, but engage. And today I want us to realize two pieces as we end. One, God gives us another amazing acknowledgement. It's called the Lord's Supper. And if you don't know God personally, this part's definitely not for you. It would be like, crashing a party and trying to get into a groom's room when nobody knows you. But those of us who know Christ, he says, don't forget who you are. You're my child. You're, you're mine. And I love you and I want to be in the middle of this. And the way we acknowledge that is by acknowledging his body was broken for me. His blood was shared for me. And so as I'm going to pray for us. And then I want you, if you'd like to, to take communion. And connect with God. And I would encourage you as you walk up, just go, Lord, will you show me the I don't understand I have right now? Because I want to engage you in it.
And it's an incredible opportunity to do that as the band plays. But will you just stand with me and let me pray for you. And then we're going to sing this amazing reminder and have the opportunity to connect with God. Father, thank you. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, but you're way, way, way beyond that. You're ready. You're ready to engage us where we don't understand because you are the God of all knowledge and all power. And your power is made perfect in weakness. I pray we would engage that today. And it is only through the gift of Jesus that we can pray. Thanks so much for joining us online at the Lost Mountain Baptist Church podcast. For more information about service times, giving, and upcoming events, check out our website, lmbc.us.